Hello at magandang araw po mga kababayan. Welcome to the 30th episode ng Usapang Pinoy, a Georgia Asian Times podcast. Maraming salamat sa patuloy ninyong pagtangkilik at patuloy ninyong pag-sign up sa usapangpinoyga at gmail.com. So ngayon po, importante ang topic natin ngayon. Marami pong nakakaalam sa mga nangyayari at sa iskandalo sa CPACS, which is the Center for Pan Asian Community Services, which was founded in 1980 on the belief that people needs people. As you know, CPACS is the first largest and longest standing organization in the Southeast focused on issues concerning Asian Americans and other underserved populations. So I'm sure na alam po ninyo, because of the media coverage, na may current scandal ang CPACs brought about by charges of misappropriation of funds and corruption. So make the long story short, a large number of CPAC staff, many of whom are federal whistleblowers, were fired on September 8, 2022, including a Filipina, who has graciously accepted our invitation to be our guest today. So she will inform us of what the relationship of the Philippine community and CPACs is and how the Filipino community has been affected by these ongoing events. With that said, ang bisita po natin ngayon ay walang iba kundi si Alnori Regondola Gutlay, who is a former vice president of the Center for Pan-American Community Services. Pero bago ko po siya tawagin, narito muna ang ating mga importanteng anunsyo. And most of the announcements I'm going to tell you is about the Filipino-American Historical Month events which is happening in for every weekend in October. Ang unang-una po ay ang sariling tugtugin Himig at Sayaw, which is a virtual recital featuring children from ages 3 to 18 playing an instrument, singing, and dancing. And this will be on October 8th via Zoom. And this is presented by the Filipino-American Association of Greater Atlanta. So meron pong link and abangan po ninyo ang announcements sa social media. On the same day at 6 o'clock, we have the Celebration of Faith, which is a Filipino Catholic Rosary and Mass. Doon po naman sa Good Shepherd Catholic Church Chapel sa 3740 Hallsclaw Road in Cummings, Georgia. And... Ang contact po natin ay si Eleanor Estacio at eleanor.estacio at gmail.com or Nanette Guerrero at nrguerrero0907 at gmail.com. Pwede po sana kayong mag-RSVP. Nakalagay din po siya sa social media. So, so October 15 po naman yung pangatlong event is the um, Sarisari Market, which is an outdoor Filipino-style street market. And food festival, <coughs> excuse me, bringing together Filipino-American businesses highlighted by cultural presentation. This is going to happen on Saturday, October 15 from 11 a.m. to 5 p.m. at Mountain, Mountain Park UMC, which is the United Methodist Church at 1405 Rockbridge Road in Stone Mountain, Georgia, 30087. And this is presented by the Philippine-American Chamber of Commerce of Georgia. And the number fourth event po is October 22nd, 2022, is the symposium <coughs> called Filipino Americans Making History in Georgia. And it is a symposium, panel discussion, and cultural presentations 
and luncheon networking plus um, cultural presentations. We need for you to register via link post eventbrite.com and we will um, publish it and release it in social media as well. And the last part for Ponang Philippine American Historical Month celebration is on October 29th, which is Pascong Pilipinos Atlanta. Aparol. Aparol is a Christmas lantern. It's a parole making contest and cash prizes await plus grand prize winning parole as featured in the Philippine Christmas Street Topper of the Fernbank Museum's annual Winter Wonderland exhibition. Registration deadline is September 29th and um, na nasa galingfoundation.com po ang, ang, ang registration link. So ang contact po natin doon ay si Isa Thompson at isajthompson at gmail.com. Yun lang po ang aking announcements ngayon. So, ako po ay magbabalik upang ihandog sa inyo ang ating guest podcaster. Welcome back, mga taga-pakinig. Ngayon po, I am excited to welcome to Usapang Pinoy si Alnori Regondola Gutlay, a former project uh, Vice President of the Center for Pan-American Community Services. Welcome, Alnori, and thank you so much for agreeing to be with Usapang Pinoy today. Uh, thank you, po. thank you for having me. So, um, I wanted to ask you first to briefly describe how long you were at CPACS and in what capacity. What was your role exactly, and what exactly did you do for CPACS? Yeah, um, so I've been with CPAC um, since 2013. Um, I started as a volunteer and then um, through volunteer work with the HIV program at that time, I took on um, being a program coordinator. And then from there, I became um, a manager for both HIV work and domestic violence. And then... Um, moving forward to becoming a program director. And then most recently, um, the start of last year, I was promoted to the vice president of the um, Health Equity and Access Branch. So that, that's a new branch for CPAC that was created. And under that branch, um, there's three departments. And the, those are the community health services, um, the substance abuse prevention programs and also the victim services. That's great. You all have wonderful programs that YCPAX has been uh, successful over these years. Now, can you provide a condensed version of what has transpired and tra taken place in the agency? Yeah, so I, I know there's been a lot of like ethnic media coverage and mainstream media coverage on what has what is currently taking place at CPAS, and, and for some, it, at least amongst the community, um, it can sound a bit like it's more of an internal issue. Um, but really, issues were raised, especially um, last year when a, a co-CEO structure started, um, and then with a new CEO that was overseeing the social service um, side of CPAS, um, there were things that were brought up that were conflicts of interest. And so upper management executive teams um, brought these concerns up 
to the board, um, along with Dr. Jung-ha Kim, um, because we wanted to fix it. And and these conflicts of interest, uh, like as people could see, there's also, um, people could read up on it, uh, which could be found at the Save CPAC Linktree um, account. Um, Save CPAC is also the Instagram handle. Uh, but anyways, so these, and, and these were brought up because CPAC is funded by the federal government, um, state, uh, county, and also local foundations. So when, when you have these grants that are funding your services, you're supposed to ensure that there's compliance throughout. And so the, the focus is on how the money is being utilized. And so the concerns were that the money was not being utilized properly and it wasn't being provided to the community. Um, and, and these funds, like especially federal money, um, these are taxpayer dollars. And so that's how it all started. Uh, yes, that's so right. You have to comply with the law. Nobody's above the law. Now, when were you first, when did you first become aware of the corruption and unethical practices at CPACs? So, like, being an employee in different levels, like, you hear stories, <laughs> right? Or, or you get warnings from people of, like, hey, this is what you shouldn't do. Um, but in terms of the concerns that we raised specifically, we didn't fully discover, um, everything until, again, the new, the, the new co-CEO, uh, was brought on and where staff had more access to information, especially financial information. Um, and that's where we saw that, for example, the, the clinic. Um, which are properties that fall under Chaewon Kim, who is the other CEO, and she's and she was well, she retired now, but she was with CPAC for over 20 years. Um, so these are her properties that are being utilized for like the health center mm -hmm. um, services, and we discovered that it's the property is actually. Um, being run by a board member. So the a board member is acting as the property manager. And these are all public records. And and so that was again an, another like layer to the story that that we were unfolding and um and so it started last year. So there's clearly a conflict of interest there. Anybody can see that. So so how is the morale and mood in the CPAC staff now since the scandal broke? So initially, um, like staff, staff really pushed for change. Um, when there was a cultural shift because of the new CEO coming in for the social service side, um, there was a lot of hope. There was a lot of visioning for the future. Um, and then when... She was terminated uh, about a, a little over a month ago, and then a month right after, all the VPs were terminated, along with the CFO and the HR manager. And then definitely the morale is, is very low. Um, there, there's not a lot of hope. 
there's a there's an interim CEO who who came on board saying that she will um, help the agency to fix all the issues, um, but the concern is she doesn't understand what it means to work for the immigrant and refugee communities. Um, she she justifies it with her public health background, but as as we know, working with the community goes beyond just what you learn in the classroom. It's it's also understanding the experience or having the experience yourself of what it means to be an immigrant. That's very um, true. And, and and for me, I I, I know so I, I wasn't born here. I was born in the Philippines. Um, I came here when I was around eight years old. Mm. Um, so I can understand Tagalog, but my Tagalog is not very good. <laughs> I haven't had a lot of practice. Um, but it's, it's, it's having shared experiences within the community that truly makes the work. Um, it, it's how you connect with the, with the people that you're trying to serve. That's true. What I'm curious about is um, what are the reasons, what's the reason why did they fire all these seven vice presidents? So this this is where it gets kind of tricky because they change the story depending on who they talk to. Um, For us, for, for the VPs, the CFO, and the HR manager, we were all fired on the same day. Um, they gave us a termination letter, and it basically said all the same things. And it was because, oh, we didn't show up to a mandatory meeting that the interim CEO requested for. We we were waiting for her for that for that meeting, um, but she said it's because we didn't click the agree <laughs> agree tab, so she didn't see it on her calendar. Um, she was stating that we weren't cooperating with the documentation gathering for the federal investigation that's currently taking place. Um, So they listed out general broad reasons, but then beyond the letter, when they talk to other staff at CPAC, their reasoning is because of, for example, conflicts of interest and poor performance evaluation. Mm. So it, yeah, the story changes. However, we um, it's it's technically more of it's them getting rid of people who are speaking out against um, the you know the alleged fraud, um, people trying to correct and ask for change. Mm-hmm. Um, those are the main reasons why, because you know they needed to stop the noise, and we were making noise. Right. Right. I understand. So since the firing of the senior management team, <clears throat> who is currently running the CPAC's organization? Uh, from what I heard, it's um, some staff are still there, um, but I know staff and up in like directors and managers, um, some are resigning one by one. Um, and, and that's pretty much it. So what they're trying to do is the work that the VPs used to do are now being handed um, to staff who never did that work before because they have no one else in place. They had no trans- they have no transition plan. 
um, there was no time to um, exchange knowledge of information about how to run these programs properly. So none of that took place. So ultimately, it's, aff it's affecting the services that you provide the community. Oh, definitely, yes. So in, in, that, in that case, let's connect it to the Philippine community. Um, what types of services does the community have access? In the past, when everything was still mm -hmm. normal, what kind of services did the Filipino community get from CPACs? So because CPACs is so broad, there are so many different departments um, and pockets of services. For example, I know um, Tiffany, like she she works under advocacy and she's been very heavily involved with the Filipino community when it comes to voter engagement, also during um, census count. So there were a lot of partnerships with other agencies. And then also along with the Stop AAPI Hate um, Coalition, that was formed and then for me um we had a lot of uh covid covid vaccine um events that were held and that event was open to everyone um in the community who needed to access it and also providing domestic violence um emergency shelter so we've had cases where people in in the filipino community needed to access it so in effect now that everything is kind of broken and the people who are doing the work don't really know what they're doing from what i hear you say where would the filipino filipino community in need seek help in the absence of cpac services so the people there are able to continue service to a degree but what they're missing is ensuring that the quality is maintained or that the funding is maintained because that's what the VTs provided in terms of securing money to provide staff salary and also funding for those types of services. Um, I think staff are still available, like staff are still there to provide the service, though it's, it's in limited capacity because some funds are frozen um, due to ongoing investigation, for example, but definitely, if if there is um, if CPAC is no longer able to provide these services in the near future or in the future, then yeah, that's that's a big loss uh, for the Filipino community and also for the broadly Asian community um, mm -hmm. in Georgia. And and I think that means that you know other agencies need to step up because the need is there. The need is not going to disappear with or without CPAC. Right. Um, so yeah. you, you said that the, they were giving grants, right? And the grants is actually uh, coming from federal grant money. So yes. in the past, they have been distributing grants for some programs, for specific programs in the community, and that has not been completed. So are you saying now that they're not going to do that anymore because the new administration has frozen the grant so the, the funds are frozen either by the state or by federal. Um, that I'm not too sure of. Okay. Um, but I, I know definitely for the state, there are some grants that have been frozen because the agency is getting investigated. Okay. Um, and so they're, they're trying to do an audit to ensure that, you know, w where is their potential 
um, fraud? Like, are there things that took place in the past that weren't allowed? So that's what they're trying to figure out as different grants are um, affected in different ways. So uh, the other thing that I, I looked at the list of the vice presidents that were fired in, on September 8th, and I recognize one of the names is connected. It's like a vice president. She was appointed as um, community affairs or vice president or the liaison for the White House initiative. Uh, how has uh-huh. that affected? They were not, um, they did not think twice in firing this person who's connected to the White House? No, they didn't care. <laughs> uh, wow. They oh, my God. That is, uh, well, what can I say about that? But um, so what are some of the potential lasting impacts um, of what has taken place in CPAX? So this is from my experience um, as a grant writer and Are you there? You got cut. You yes. got cut off. Can you hear me? Yeah, you got cut off. Oh. Okay. Um, so the the lasting effect is one: nonprofits thrive based on reputation. Um, so already being in the south, um, it's it's hard enough for nonprofit organizations that focus on immigrant or refugee work because. You got cut off again. Are you there? So, Alnari, my next question is, um, what are some of the potential lasting impacts of what has taken place at CPAX? Mm. Yeah, so the nonprofit, um, especially in the South, that focus on immigrant and refugee work thrive like they thrive on reputation. It's it's about your reputation in the community. Um, so now that CPAC's reputation is questioned, um, it's it's going to affect how other agencies that are doing similar work are going to be looked at by let's say the you know funders foundations whether it's like state local governments or the federal government because it it's it looks at the asian community for example as a whole so if this big organization is unable to handle being compliant to provide the services for the community then it's uh, you know funders are going to make assumptions that's correct um, about the quality of work so it's it's unfair um, but that, unfortunately, it's also politics, right? It's unfair in, ev- in it, every level. Yeah, and and so it that's it's going to have an impact. It's going to impact um, other agencies and funding potentials in the future, including other nonprofits as well who are doing similar or the same work. And that is so. Mm-hmm. The other question that just. Uh, came to mind is that how many whistleblowers were there that brought this into the surface? So technically all the staff who participated in protesting would be considered whistleblowers uh-huh. um, because they, you know, or staff 
talking to um, to anyone who has direct contact with those funders directly, whether it's the federal aid, you know, I, I can't quite say the number, but it's it's a bit. Right. Well, when people care, they, they do the right thing. Right. So, yeah. Is there, well, before I ask my last question, do you think there's hope? What, what, what are people planning in, in the, I mean, the staff? So the staff who are at CPAC or the staff who C- are no longer with CPAC? <laughs> well, s- supporters of CPAC, the so staff that are still there, the staff that are no longer there. Mm. Is there so, hope? Um, I think staff who are at, like, at the agency, they, they, want, they want the interim CEO, they want the board member to correct their ways. Right. It's they, they want the questions and the issues that were raised originally to still be answered. And those are still not. Um, it, instead, what's happening is that blame is just being shifted in different directions. Um, but no one is taking accountability. So what is in store the f- for the future? Is somebody filing something or is it just going to be like a mediation that they need to stop or what's the strategy? Sorry. Uh, could you repeat the last question? So what's the next strategy? What is, is there hope? Are, are you all just asking them to change their, uh, their ways? Or is there going to be some action w- with regards to legal so action taken or, or what? That I'm not sure. Okay. Um, I, I think different people will try to strategize in different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, um, CPAC the board members have access to, I mean, they, they got, a, they hired a PR consultant. They also hired um, a law firm. Mm-hmm. So every little thing that has been taking place, they have those direct consultations with those people um, to give them guidance. And right. so, and they, and they're accessing resources from the agency. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so staff are, are are trying to figure out what else could they do? Like they've, they've already raised their concerns privately, internally, publicly. Um, but people aren't really listening. Um, and so we'll see. I can't quite say. Right. Right. And especially, I mean, it's a very delicate issue, especially it's people's livelihoods and the service. And so you did, I, I need to emphasize what you said earlier that um, the the service is still ongoing for the Filipino community. In the absence of these or, services, where can they go? Can you uh, emphasize that again? Yeah. So um, some services are still ongoing, mm-hmm. um, but of course, if staff are leaving, then there's going to be limitations. Um, without those services from Center for Pan Asian Community Services, then there are some agencies that are able to provide needed um, services. And, and I think for, for the Filipino community, um, it's, it's sometimes for us, it's easier for us to access different services from other agencies because of our language ability to speak English. Mm-hmm. Um, so because of that, um, it's easier to access it for, like from mainstream providers. Like for example, sorry, I have a dog. Um, for example, if if you Google like what are the needs, and then like local places that are available, 
um there there are still some but it just won't be it would be different yeah i understand so anyway i will i will ask you the last question um give us your last thoughts and your remarks for the community i i think the community for me needs to remember that CPACs exist to serve people, to serve people in need. And so if the entity is not doing its job for the community, then the community needs to ask for accountability. Like, well, well, then what are you doing if you're not here to serve us? Um, So the existence of CPACs is dependent on the community, um, is, is what I want to say. All right. So with that said, I will let you go and we wish you all the best and we will please keep us posted with what's going on and we will keep uh, supporting you. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Bye. Welcome back, mga kababayan. Ako po ay nagpapasalamat sa ating guest na si Alnori Regandola Gutlay. Isa siya sa mga Pilipino na patuloy na lumalaban para sa katotohanan. Uh, napakasad po yung nangyari sa CPAX dahil, uh, dahil sa corruption na nangyayari. So it's time for me to give you some words of wisdom. Katulad po ng sabi ko ng mga nakaraang episodes, I'm looking forward to the celebration of the Filipino-American Historical Month in October. So in that connection, gusto ko pong i-discuss yung mga bits and pieces ng istorya ng ating buhay, ng ating inang bayan, in the form of mga salawikain sa Tagalog, sarsarita sa Ilocano, dahil parte po yun ng ating istorya at kultura, plus kailangan matutunan ito ng ating mga kabataan. So number one, ang palay ay parisan. Habang nagkakalaman ay lalong nagpupugay. In English, be like a rice talk. The more grains it bears, the lower it bows. This saying teaches us that along with great power comes greater responsibility. It warns us to be more humble as we become, as we become greater. Ang pangalawa po, ang nakatikip na bibig ay hindi pinapasukan ng langaw. A fly will not enter a closed mouth. A similar version of this is the old adage, loose lips sinks ships. Essentially, you will not get out, you will not get into trouble if you're not a big mouth. <laughs> so zip it. <laughs> so pangatlo, pag binato ka ng bato, batuhin mo ng tinapay. So in English, if someone throws a rock at you, throw him bread. This is a parental favorite. It encourages us that no matter what someone does to us, we should look the other way and s- not seek revenge because God will handle it. So sa aking pong pagpapaalam na quote, I would li- like to share these parting thoughts. Una, you are allowed to feel messed up inside and out. It doesn't mean you're defective. It just means you're human. And this is by David Mitchell, a comedian and writer. And the older I get, the more I understand that it's okay to live a life that others don't understand. Author unknown. 
Sa susunod po nating pag-uusap, Philippine American Historical Month na. Exciting po at abangan po ninyo ang mga announcements sa social media, sa emails at sa lahat ng mga uh, posts sa Instagram. Lahat po ng uh, pwedeng uh, pag-announce, paglalabasan ng announcements doon, makikita po ninyo doon. So magpapaalam na po ako, tandaan, tandaan po ninyo na mag-sign up sa usapangpinoyga at gmail.com. Hanggang sa muli, paalam muna sa ngayon. Ang sanggol na nasa damba Naman